My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So good afternoon or morning, lovely people, depending on what time you're listening to this. I hope everyone enjoyed last week's wonderful episode covering the indomitable Tina Turner. This week, we'll be covering another figure that is forever immortalized in the history of the arts. This individual's style redefined an entire genre of art. Although this person was not recognized for their contributions until many years after their passing, this individual did not create for the recognition, but purely for the love of creating. So you guys know I have to let you know, I love this story and have researched this person extensively in my free time because I've always been drawn to their art, but also there's an added layer of mystery surrounding their death. I'm really into true crime too, so I really like this. This individual spent their days filling their time with helping to make the world better and more beautiful. This is a vocation that I find admirable in any circumstance, but especially in the face of the hardships this individual faced. So without further ado, this week we will be covering the striking, the stunning, the standout. Vincent van Gogh, which is the Dutch pronunciation, which I probably butchered, but (laughs) Vincent van Gogh is how it's most commonly pronounced in the U.S. and what I think most of you guys would know him by. Vincent van Gogh was born March 30th, 1853 in the picturesque Netherlands countryside. Vincent was the firstborn to his parents, so he was the eldest, as they would eventually have five other children. Vincent's parents, Theodorus and Anna, were quite opposites in terms of occupations and countenance. Theodorus was a pastor for the church, while Anna was an artist who worked with watercolors. It was described that Vincent's father was more subdued while his mother was more open and free. Vincent's childhood was spent primarily in a rural area, surrounded by the natural world and countryside. We can see that nature scenery influence very strongly in many of his landscape paintings later on in life. While Vincent attended school for a short time, due to his family's lack of financial stability, he had to leave school and begin work in his early teens. Although Vincent didn't receive much formal schooling, thanks to an uncle, he was able to secure a job with an art dealer. I thought that little tidbit was incredible as well, that Vincent was able to start working in the art industry at such a young age and with essentially zero formal art training. Vincent worked for the art dealer for about three years, from 1873 to 1876, though it was reported that he didn't particularly enjoy the customer interactions, but rather the exposure to the artworks. And I absolutely can't blame him for that, so (laughs) I'm sure many people would agree. During his time working with the art dealer, 
Vincent lived in both Paris and London, two major hubs in comparison to his rustic home village. While living in London, Vincent fell in love with the daughter of his landlady when he was around the age of 21. Vincent proposed to his crush and was promptly declined. This event plunged Vincent into a swirl of negative emotions and he became moody and dark in his daily life. Vincent was quickly fired from his job at the art dealer after making several inappropriate comments to customers, calling the art worthless and genuinely being unprofessional. After losing his job at the art dealer, Vincent began working as a teacher as well as at a bookstore and as a preacher. It was at this point that Vincent began to seriously consider following in his father's footsteps and becoming a member of the church. Thus began Vincent's journey to attempt to join the ministry and study in theology. As you can see from the career choices Vincent was making, he was drawn to humanitarian causes. Vincent began to train to become an evangelist, but after becoming frustrated with the program, transferred to another region in Belgium to complete missionary work. Vincent was passionate in all that he engaged in, and this was no different with missionary work. After an incident when Vincent became overcome with the desire to give away all of his belongings to the impoverished people he was helping, the church requested Vincent cease working on their behalf, and Vincent was again unemployed. This was yet another blow to Vincent's self-worth, and he became even more isolated and withdrawn. The trouble Vincent was having seemed to all stem from his inability to go with the status quo. After his latest career setback, Vincent decided to pivot back to where he'd started and what he knew, art. Vincent would connect with his younger brother, Theo, who was an art dealer in Brussels, and focus his efforts on developing as an artist. Theo and Vincent were quite close, as Theo offered to help Vincent with whatever he may need, allowing Vincent to focus on establishing his art form. When speaking with Theo as to why he was pursuing art, Vincent was quoted, I want to give the wretched a brotherly message. When I sign my paintings, Vincent, it is as one of them. This is what I loved about Vincent, not just him being an absolutely prolific artist, but how endearing and positive he was about humanity in spite of the bumps and hiccups on his journey. In short, this began Vincent's incredible dedication to being an artist, above all. What isn't as well known, I think, is that Vincent experimented extensively with different styles, forms, and mediums. When he first began studying art seriously, he'd created mostly watercolors and focused on his drawing. After moving back to the countryside to attempt to self-study landscapes, Vincent realized he required guidance and lessons from others who had more experience in the field. This conclusion led to a collaboration with a Dutch painter who specialized in landscapes named Anton Mauve. Around 1882, Vincent experimented with using oil paints instead of watercolors. 
He also began traveling the countryside, searching for different vistas and areas in order to capture nature's beauty. Vincent would focus his art on landscapes as well as stills and figures. This was a period of extraordinary exploration for Vincent, where he was able to work with many different artists, styles, mediums, and locations, pushing the boundaries of art itself. Vincent would also fall in love with a working woman who would become one of the models that he'd paint. His art would often highlight the day-to-day lives of the people whom he'd sheltered with, which would often be the poorer and working classes of society. Vincent had been living in Brussels for about five years when he created his first masterpiece titled Potato Eaters in 1885. That next year, Vincent would move to Paris to be with Theo, his brother. It was in Paris that Vincent was first exposed to Impressionist art, which was all the rage in France at the time. Impressionism was so popular that Theo secretly wondered if Vincent's artwork would be considered at all. Vincent's demeanor, as is demonstrated with his many conflicts and disputes with authority figures throughout his life, was expressive, to say the least. This passionate attitude would cause friction with personal relationships in his life and made it difficult for Vincent to maintain working relationships. Vincent was someone who enjoyed soaking up new knowledge, and he began to study Japanese art as well as philosophy. It was this newfound desire to learn more about Eastern culture that influenced Vincent in his next move to the famous Arlay, France. Arlay is where Vincent lived in his iconic yellow house that so often we see when referencing his life story. Over his entire artistic career, which was surprisingly only 10 years, Vincent would create more than 2,000 works of art. Despite receiving very little compensation for his artwork while he was alive, several of Vincent's works are now valued as the most expensive on the globe. Vincent's most iconic work, The Starry Night, and my personal favorite artwork of all time, was created in France around 1889. His other works, titled Sunflowers, Self-Portrait, and Irises, which is the most expensive painting in the world, are more of Vincent's more recognizable paintings that currently reside in museums throughout the world. Vincent created many portraits as he attempted to paint himself in order to know himself. While in Arlay, Vincent's lifestyle began to catch up with him, and he began to suffer from strange ailments. It was apparent that Vincent's mental health was beginning to decline as well. Later on, his diminishing health could have easily been attributed to Vincent's incredibly poor diet and nutrition. It was also reported that Vincent was ingesting absinthe and turpentine, both toxic, Once Theo became aware of Vincent's condition, he recruited a local friend of Vincent's to check up on him while he was in Arlay. After a short period, due to Vincent's abrasiveness, his friend abandoned him to his own devices. 
It was around this time when the incident involving the infamous ear was removed, which is one of the most iconic stories involving Vincent Van Gogh. After Vincent's friend left him alone, Vincent was seen stumbling around with a razor. It's unclear as to when exactly it occurred, but Vincent used a razor to remove his ear, then went to a local whorehouse. He then casually walked up and handed it to a local prostitute. Later on that night, Vincent was found in his room, suffering from blood loss and seizures. Shockingly, Vincent was admitted and dismissed from the hospital, although it was obvious something was seriously wrong. Sadly, Vincent would be in and out of the hospital over a number of days, eventually leading the townspeople in the city where he'd lived to declare him as dangerous. As such, Vincent was asked to leave his home and decided to admit himself to asylum, essentially hoping for a full recovery. It was while Vincent was in the asylum that he was asked if he could provide his paintings for an exhibit around November 1889. Vincent would provide several, including his two most famous paintings. It was also while in asylum that Vincent received word that a coveted doctor would take him on as a patient. With this news, Vincent left the asylum and moved to Alvers to be closer to his doctor. And here comes the most tragic, faded twist in Vincent's life. It was while in Alvers that Vincent would meet his most mysterious end. On the morning of July 27th, 1890, Vincent was spotted leaving his room and carrying his paint supplies, heading towards a surrounding field in order to practice painting landscapes. What isn't quite known is what exactly transpired in that field. There are many possibilities, and when you examine the evidence, you can come to your own conclusion. But I'll let you guys know my take in a quick second. Later on that afternoon, Vincent was found in his room bleeding from a gunshot wound to his chest. There's a big split in the consensus as to how Vincent actually received that gunshot wound. Some people believe he shot himself, while some believe he was shot by another person. I'm on the side of he was shot by another person. After his discovery, Vincent was rushed to a nearby hospital who alerted his brother, Theo, to his condition. Theo, of course, rushed over as soon as he possibly could. It was reported that Theo found Vincent sitting upright in his bed, smoking a large pipe, seemingly pallid, but well. Vincent and Theo sat and talked for a few days, before Vincent asked Theo to take him back to his home. Two days after being shot, Vincent Van Gogh would pass away with his brother right by his side on July 29, 1890, at the young age of 37. Theo, who was suffering from his own health issues, would pass away within six months of his brother. It was Theo's wife, Joanna, who went about the work of collecting all of Vincent's work to ensure that it was preserved. It wasn't until 1901 that the world became aware of the genius of Vincent van Gogh. 
His paintings were showcased, and Vincent was hailed as an artistic genius. Vincent's life was one full of color, passion, and verve. To think about all the many faces and people he'd encountered that ended up in his paintings, as he loved and appreciated people and art more than anything. Some people consider it tragic that Vincent wasn't a worldwide name until after his death. I find it even more admirable that Vincent stuck with his art, even though he wasn't gaining the recognition he knew he deserved. Continuing on, when you really don't know if you'll ever be seen for what you really are. To me, that seems agonizing. But to Vincent, it meant nothing. What meant more to him was finding something that fulfilled his soul. I wanted to end Vincent's episode on this quote because it is one of my absolute favorite quotes of all time. And I know you guys, I know you guys are tired of hearing that. I love a lot of things, as you can see. And this quote is also appropriate for someone like myself. I'll let you decide. It is good to love many things, for therein lies strength. And whosoever loves much, performs much, and can accomplish much. And what is done with love is well done. You can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Instagram. That's Made of Metal Podcast all together, as well as on Facebook. We have a great group. Please join, join the conversation, join the community. And that's Made of Metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. If you love the show, please follow, subscribe, and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. So thank you so much. Again, I cannot express how much I appreciate you guys listening to me and my very white voice. (laughs) I can't explain it. It's wonderful. I hope you guys are having a wonderful, wonderful summer. Please feel free to submit your own stories to me on my website if you'd like. And as always, my loves, bloom where you are planted. Bye.